Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 264. My name's Adam Patterson. Today I'm joined by Kevin Rakestraw. How goes it, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Alright. Uh, I, I apologize in advance if anybody can hear any kind of background music taking place this episode. Right before we started recording, someone, I believe, started a concert outside. I don't really know I don't, I don't i have no idea what's going on i don't know how i can hear it i'm pretty high up in my apartment building but that's that's what's happening that's the reality i'm living in random concerts taking place sounds pretty fun yeah no not not in this situation no oh. this week on the show we'll be talking about it the new it that's right. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, we'll also be going over some of the watching on the watch list and new releases on VOD, Blu-ray, and in theaters. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think we can safely go ahead and start things off with our review of it. This is directed by Andy Muschetti. I have a synopsis here. A group of bullied kids band together when a monster taking the appearance of a clown begins hunting children. Now, if you've listened to any episodes of the show recently, I've been dying to see this movie. I had a feeling I was going to love it, and guess what? I loved it. So we'll get that out of the way right off the bat, and we'll start it with you, Kevin. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought there was like, segments of this that are really good, that I thoroughly enjoyed, and then there's some other aspects of it that I thought were just kind of mediocre. On the okay. whole, you know what I mean. Right. Like a lot of the, a lot of the horror stuff, I thought was kind of mediocre. But the actual, like the, uh, I thought it got the whole, uh, the vibe of just like the kids hanging out and being being a ragtag group of kids. I thought that's where it excelled. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot of humor there, which really worked. Uh, a couple really good performances from some of the child actors. And I got to say that I think that was my my favorite part of it, that whole aspect. Sure. I mean, in movies like this that are really effective, that's always the thing that kind of ties it all together, right? That's sort of the linchpin of movies like this that yeah. are successful. Uh, I think that's when you look at something like Stranger Things or even, um, even Super 8, getting out of the horror territory and going into sci-fi with that one. I think the thing that ties those... those that show and the, that other movie together is the kind of camaraderie you have with the yeah. ensemble cast of, like it of characters. Of, it hinges on that. Right. It it's like of, a, it definitely, it's like a horror version of stand by me, you know, another mm-hmm. Stephen King property. It's definitely, it has that vibe. And, and for me that that's also my favorite aspect of it as well as I knew it would, would be, but I thought that the horror elements, uh, for me, were very effective. I liked almost all of the horror sequences. If you're not familiar with it, if you haven't seen the the read the book or seen the original uh, miniseries on TV, the basically it's this sort of entity that feeds off of fear. It it feeds off of the fear of children and once and it'll try to eat them. Basically, it'll just devour them. It, it draws power from their fear and it shows up once every 27 years and it's up to these kids to stop this evil being from uh, taking any more of their friends and devouring them. So when you have a plot like that, it's, they are, they're allowed to kind of have fun with it. So you have each of this, this really great ensemble. I thought every, all the, all the kids did a great job in it and each of them have their own specific phobias and fears. And so throughout the movie, you have these sequences where they're all doing their thing and they all each have their own fear. So you have these kind of tailor fit 
um, scare sequences for each of these kids. Uh, it was like that in the in the miniseries as well. And I I liked most of them. I thought that most of them were pretty clever. The hair the hair one with the girl was oh that one was nuts. Yeah, I think that was the best one. Yeah, it was some of some of them. I will admit are a little generic. The one with uh, Ben, his was a little generic. Although the the scene with the uh, I don't want to give it away, but there's something chasing him down down the the stairs towards him. I thought that that was really creepy. Uh, and I think what we'll do is maybe go into a little bit of a spoiler discussion uh, at the end of this review, and we'll we'll go ahead and put the time code in the show notes and give fair warning before we get into it. So we'll keep everything very spoiler free for the, for the beginning part of this. All right. I thought Bill Skarsgård was pretty creepy as Pennywise. I was interested to see how he would be as Pennywise. If you remember Tim Curry played Pennywise in the original miniseries. And I don't uh, remember that. I've actually never seen any it's or read the book. I don't know anything about it. So well, there's only one, there's only one it so it was just okay. the TV series okay. that was it. Right. There's no other movies or anything. Well, now you know Tim Curry played him, and All now right. Bill Skarsgård's playing him, and I thought he was. Uh, he, um, I I think that they were they both brought their own they they both brought their own little spin on it. Right. I haven't seen the original it in many years. I'm I was gonna go back and rewatch it for this, but I had t- I had time constraints but i i do plan on watching it i might watch it after we're done recording this actually um but i thought bill skarsgård was was pretty great really creepy just to i mean the character of pennywise oh oh god well i mean it's it's kind of easy it's a clown sure clowns are just creepy absolutely they're inherently creepy but when you look at when when this originally came out, I'm not sure that the whole creepy clown thing was really in vogue. I don't know if it was just if it was as omnipresent as it is now. Oh yeah, no, I I think I, that I maybe think so. I think that maybe it was one of the things that made clowns creepy. Well, I think I think it probably more so brought people out of the shadows. You know, kind of gave them the courage to say like, yeah, clowns are creepy. I've been thinking that for years. Yeah. So what? So the so the scare moments really worked for me. the The dialogue I thought was really good. It was really funny, um, especially the the kid from Stranger Things. He plays where is he? Henry? Is it Henry? No, not Richie. Henry. Henry, Richie? Henry's the bad guy. Richie. Good old, yeah. good old Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, I thought he was really funny in it. I like that they kept. They kept the humor very adult. You know, these are kids, but they didn't they didn't tone down the dialogue for these kids. There were lots of f bombs being dropped all over the place. And the other kind of the thing that kind of surprised me about this movie is how dark it gets. Uh, mm-hmm. They they're not shy about showing us some really grisly imagery in this movie. Yeah, it was kinda... and that was a surprise. Yeah, and it kind of made that statement early. Oh yeah, because that kind of oh, yeah. caught me off. I didn't. Right from right from the beginning, they yeah. I didn't really think it was gonna be it was gonna be that gruesome. It's uh yeah, things get pretty serious in in this movie. Yeah, it it sure does. Because there was one scene in particular that kind of kind of went went somewhere where I I wasn't quite sure it was gonna go, but it went there and it full on went there. Yeah, like full on, which I was yeah. not really prepared for. That was yeah fucked up sequence i think that was the creepiest thing for me was the tv oh yeah when they would like when the first time it shows up it's just kind of like a it's not really like a center focus well no because it you you don't even see you you kind of see it in the background it's not it is a little bit you know off frame but you hear it yeah and if you you could easily even just miss it as you're watching that that scene that the first time the tv plays a part you could easily just not pay attention to that happening yeah, in the background because the, the character didn't even acknowledge it yeah which i thought was a nice move i thought the cinematography was pretty excellent there were several flourishes in this that i thought were really effective again going back to the hair scene the way that they shot that like through the hair 
you know uh i yeah. i thought that looked awesome uh and that was a great blood geyser too oh yeah Fuck yeah man. gotta be careful we don't want to talk about we don't want to get into it too much I mean, but that sells it right there if you're if you're on the fence about seeing it blood geyser just yeah. ends up. uh chun chung hoon chung did the cinematography for this uh, you may know his work from the original Old Boy and Stoker and Handmaiden. He's basically Park Chan Wook's DP. There you go. So a lot of really good camera work in in this. A lot of creative camera work, which was also a little bit of a surprise to me because I thought that it would just take kind of a standard approach to the cinematography, and I thought that they did some really interesting things. Yeah, it was it was kind of surprising in a couple aspects. Number one is that like how gruesome it actually was, how adult it was, and then you're right to like the cinematography. I was kind of expecting like when I went in, I thought that this was just going to be kind of like a ho hum, you know, kind of like a everything else style yeah. horror that ends up at the multiplex. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Sir, I, I like towards the end, well, like when they go to the the well house. To me, that's where it kind of kind of yes knows that a little bit because it just kind of turned into like this haunted house type deal i mean i i get why you you may think that and why you might have that opinion but for me it seemed like that's that's the arc that this should take like this type of story should they should go there with it they should have a big you know crescendo at the end a big culminating scene a big battle if you will i mean because that's that's what happens in the story and that's the way that's the path that these types of movies take so i wasn't entirely disappointed with how that went down especially how that all played out at the end but what i want to talk more about you not thinking that the the scary moments were effective or mediocre uh what, think, what was some more like what was it like specifically like some well, of the like, um, specific things didn't work for you or you didn't find them scary or i just thought that they were kind of i don't know i mean i just kind of um like a bit too familiar like in like you said um ben in the library now i enjoyed the way that it started out like every time that it would he was flipping through the pages it would cut to behind him, and there's just that lady standing there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the background. Like that's creepy. I liked when it did that kind of stuff. But then in like, and then the, you know the balloon floats by. That was great and everything. But then it turned. You know, there's like you said, the guy with the comes down the stairs and chases him. And then um, what was the other kid, Eddie, when he saw like the zombie leper thingy? That guy that just mm-hmm. kind of like chases him. It's just like yeah, but, chasing stuff. Yeah, there, there is, there's a lot of like kind of close quarters chasing, which to me is really creepy. Like all the scenes where Pennywise shows up and then chases them, it's it's always very short distances, so it's almost like he's lunging at them. And to me, I I found all of that stuff to be really suspenseful. And then there's a lot of um kind of set pieces where they'll cut to Pennywise just looming and being really creepy like the the one that you mentioned with the the leper there's a scene it cuts to pennywise and he's just kind of hanging out in the background with this like pyramid of this like reverse pyramid of balloons just hanging out there and it just it all it all just worked for me i thought it was all i mean obviously not all of the scares are as strong as some of the others but for the for the most part, I thought that they were all pretty pretty inventive. Even even if like the the base level, like the thing that that happens, for instance, the leper. Sure, it's just a gross guy chasing the kid. But I thought that there were enough uh, accents to it to to make it more enjoyable mm-hmm. and more more creepy. Just, it just felt a little bit redundant because you have the gross guy chasing Ben, then you have the gross leper chasing the kid. Then you have like the, I don't know, like uh, some sort of kids, gross kids chasing um, the uh, the guy, the teenager when yeah, the guy like, the, when they're in the sewer, the guy it's just from a bunch uh, of gross people chasing people. It's the guy from um, 
Bloodline. Bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think the two strongest for me were the Beverly, because her sequence was not a gross person chasing her. I thought that that was pretty great. And then, oh my God, I'm already drawing a blank on what the other one was. <laughs> which which one? The the main the main character? No, because his was his was kind of black too. Well, his his except when except when he kept doing the you'll float too. Yeah, well that that's from the trailer, so that one yeah. was not entirely unexpected. Um, the there's also a scene that's that you see a little bit of in the trailer the the slideshow scene. Oh yes, that's the one. When that, oh man, when he that was one cool. of the best scenes for me. That that was so intense, and it where it goes, I didn't expect it to go. I mean, you you see part of that in the trailer, so you know that there's going to be at least this one part. But then it goes further, and you and it just it hits a level that I did not expect at all. So that was and I, really I did impressive love the way me. that they did that. Yeah, it looked it looked awesome. Um, what did you think about the eighties aesthetic? Uh, I mean, outside of a couple of things that it, it didn't really have, which is kind of nice. It's actually kind of refreshing because to me, it didn't feel that eighties except for the, the Richie's mom and her ridiculous outfit. Yeah. There was a, there was a new kids on the block joke yeah. in there, which I thought it, to me that worked. I didn't think it was egregious or anything. I thought that it fit. Of course, these kids are going to be into pop culture things it so was just, it's, it'd be it weird was, to not have them in there at all yeah but it was nice because to me at least it didn't seem obnoxious like no i, I didn't think everything it was obnoxious else at all. that we've seen over the last how many years well and the other thing is the soundtrack so like a lot in a lot of these movies that are set in the 80s you have a very prominent like 80s pop soundtrack and for the most part there were certain songs i think there was a cure song in there at one point yeah um, but for the most part, it's it keeps it to an original score, which I thought the score in this was was quite good. Yeah, I think that was really nice, refreshing that it wasn't obnoxiously eighties. And I think that it's it's cool that they set this one in the eighties. The original miniseries was set in the sixties, and then they jump forward to the the grown up characters, and that's like in the eighties. So I guess okay. in in this one they're gonna set it in the '80s for the first part, and then the next part is gonna be modern oh. when they're adults. So cool. I think um, they should have to wait 27 years. Fill <laughs> yeah. with the same cast. That'd be awesome. They did like a that. like a boyhood type thing. Yeah, they should. That's how they should do it. Do it right. Don't think that's gonna happen, but I think it'd be. I mean, if you if you're gonna do it, don't half-ass it. I want full commitment here. Speaking of not half-assing it, the bullies in this movie—they were Christ. Like, they were extreme bullies. <laughs> Holy shit! What? Which does feel like kind of eighties, like eighties movies. Oh yeah, the bullies were always, which never felt real because you're just like someone in the. It's a small town. Yeah, someone should be like, man, these kids are fucking crazy. Yeah, someone like they reel them in. They're not just like pushing kids around and stealing their lunch he money. Like, carves a kid. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, these are like seriously violent, sick individuals. Plus, I gotta say, I love Ben. I love the fact that that kid was just a beast. Like, yeah, he gets carved. No one takes him to the hospital or anything. He just like patches it you, up. Yeah, he walks that shit off. Yeah, but you know that like two days later, all that shit would have been infected. But it's not. I don't know if he's Wolverine or what, because then he gets slashed later. He doesn't do it. He's just chilling. Yeah. He's just, he's almost, he's almost disemboweled and he's just like <laughs> hanging around in a circle. Well, I like how they even comment on it too. Like, cause, yeah. cause at first I was like, are they not going to like address it? He looks seriously injured. And then, uh, Richie was like, made a, made a comment about it. But still then, even when he points it out, no one, not one kid goes shit. Like, this is serious. We need to get him to a hospital or something. Even when the mom comes and picks up the other, she doesn't care. You know, nah, you can she's, see that shit when you get out of the car. Poor yeah, Ben. She's, she's clearly crazy. She has that, uh, I can't remember what it's called, that is that that, uh, that mental is that, illness. Is that, Munch, is that Munchausen's I think syndrome? Munchausen's. Yeah, I think it is, where you keep your kid sick all the time. But I don't, I don't know. It seemed like he actually had asthma. 
So maybe he actually the asthma actually. seemed the asthma seemed real, or maybe he was just like having anxiety. I don't know. But man, Ben just I mean, he just takes care of himself, I guess. I don't know how he he healed so quickly. Ben's a trooper. He's a trooper. Well, they did show like after the, the he did get cut the first time, they showed him later and he had the like the bandage on. So he was yeah. still at least had it covered still, up. Still. Of course that, then they then they <laughs> That needs but, stitches. That you just don't put a fucking gauze on it and it's gonna heal up. That needed well, stitches. He got maybe carved. That, maybe that comes back to bite him later. Maybe he, he has doesn't trouble. Maybe it's later 27 on. years he dies two weeks later from a staph infection. It could be. <laughs> Especially because they swim in that yeah. that lake or whatever <laughs> right he's got, after. He's got, yeah, he's got all sorts uh, hmm. parasites. Where are the, parasites. where are the fucking parents? That's what I want to know. Where are the goddamn parents? Well, we we see several of the parents. Yeah, I get. Yeah, they're all terrible. For yeah, the most part. and that's. I mean, that's part of the story is that a lot of the home lives of these people are a little rough, to say yeah. the least. And I'm glad Which, that they take the time to explore that with each of the characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters in this movie, and I felt like they did a good job of fitting every everybody in and giving us backstory on all of these characters yeah it just felt a little um like beverly's situation is like super dark like darker than the actual killer clown thing <clears throat> in a lot of ways yeah and you know compared to everyone else where it's just like sweet jesus well not everybody can have the an equal level of darkness in their home lives some people are going to be just, well, better off just, than others. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. That kind of struck me. Whereas, like, she's she's handling... Well, I mean, I guess that maybe speaks to why she wasn't really afraid of anything. Which yeah. is the only thing that kind of didn't really make a lot of sense to me. With the, the whole, like... The fear thing? Yeah, because it... I don't know. I, maybe that's spoiler territory. Yeah, let's save it. Save it for some spoilers. We'll come. We'll circle back. Any other elements you want to highlight before we talk about some spoilers? Uh, to me, the kid that played Eddie was the best. With just the way he freaked out, I thought he did a really great job of freaking out constantly. Yeah, I and thought Eddie. Day. I thought Eddie was good. Uh, I thought again. I thought all the kids were good. And you know me, I'm really hard on child actors for some reason, and none, none of their performances bothered me at all i thought they all did a did a really good job i mean i thought the win finn wolfhard was my maybe my favorite character just because he played the comic relief but i thought that he was genuinely funny like i thought like almost everything he said made me laugh uh but i also liked ben the character of ben Damn, i'm gonna go with eddie as my mvp and then bev yeah i mean she was great she was awesome she was i mean <laughs> when she uh just pops up out of nowhere that that like what was that like a spear type thing? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, any were there any moments that made you jump? Did any of the jump scares land for you? No. There was one scene that made me jump, and <laughs> it was the scene when uh, the character of Stanley was in his dad's office and the the frame the the painting fell off the wall mm. <laughs> and it, it happened off camera too so you didn't see it fall you just heard it it's fall just the sound it's just the sound right just the sound that that made me jump for some reason even though i knew that it was very clear from the moment he walks into that office that something's going on uh i for some reason that one got me none of none of the other ones None of the other moments got me. That being said, I didn't feel like there were any too many cheap jump scares in this. I thought that most of the scare moments were earned, and yeah, I, 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 I liked almost all of them. They were pretty light on the jump scares. But, I mean, with that in mind, it's like, why not just eliminate all of them? It's well, because jump scares are else. fun. It's just it's the fun factor. It's fun. It's just a loud noise. But that's that's part of the fun. You go into that's a theater fun. environment. You're in a bun- You're in this room with a bunch of people, and they're all like screaming and jumping, and it's it's 
it's a fun thing to do. Which I I shouldn't get off base here, but this fucking town, I'm telling you, goddamn people at the movie theaters, just just straight up talking the whole the whole way through. Yeah, just I was gonna chit chatting. Uh, yeah, at the end at the end of this review, I was gonna ask you about your theater experience, it's, it's, as I like to do anytime you go to the movies. It's fucking ridiculous. I mean, I we always try to make it a point to go to the earliest showing possible because that's the best chance of you know having a light crowd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we weren't able to because we had so much work to do. So we get to a later one, and oh my god. I mean, people want to talk about like, oh, should people be allowed to use phones in a movie theater? Fuck that. Just get people to shut the fuck up. Like, I don't care if you're looking at your phones. At least you're quiet. I feel your pain. Although I don't want people looking at their phones because if they're sitting in front of me, like a couple rows down and I can see their phone, it is extremely distracting to me. But yes, I will agree. Talking should not occur in the movies. I... People are having like a full on conversation. That's ridiculous. Just talking. Like Like why? I don't, we've talked about this so many times. We will probably continue to talk, have this conversation. I don't understand people spend money to go see a movie and then just talk through the, it baffles me. I don't understand. And again, once again, was it millennials? No, it was not. It was middle-aged people. I noticed that it's like a lot of older people. They, it's, make, I mean, at least around here, it's always older people. There's never once been a teenager or a twenty-something. Not never. It's always older people. Yeah, I had a I had a good movie experience. Uh, my screening, I went to see it in the Dolby Theater, so had a really great picture, great sound. Everything was adjusted perfectly. Nothing, nothing was too quiet or too loud. Picture was brilliant. Uh, light crowd. There was maybe like fifteen people in my screening. Oh wow! Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was surprising. But the theater that I go to, that the the Dolby Theater, it's at AMC in Times Square, and for some reason, those theaters are never that crowded ever. Hmm. So yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's because. The, if, if you want to go see it at the Dolby Theater, you have to pay more. It's like $23 for a ticket, even on like a matinee screening. So maybe that keeps people away. But for me, it's like if if a movie's playing at the Dol- that Dolby Theater, I'm definitely going because I think it's like the best movie-going experience. So, all right. Before we get into spoilers, um, let's give this a score. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Damn. I loved it. Damn. I thought you would. I'm going to go like, oh man, like a six and a half, like skirting with a seven. Skirting. Okay. All right. Shimming up to a seven. I don't, I don't feel like you've, you've justified that score enough for me to be satisfied, but we'll move on and talk about some spoilers. All right. Uh, I mean, if you uh, want to call me out, you got to come straight at me. Come at me, bro. <laughs> don't, don't do. Don't call me out. Man. Well, just, we can discuss. You know, we're going to discuss sh- it more right sh- now. Spoiler. Shuffle sh- sh- to a different subject. Uh, so, if you have not seen the movie yet and you do not want to be spoiled, just skip ahead. We will have the time code in the show notes. So, be forewarned. We are now in a spoiler section for it. So, let's go back to some of the more shocking or gruesome moments. Because to, to me, that was like some of the biggest surprises uh, in this movie is how, how dark they went with it. It starts right off the bat with the kid, the the little brother, Georgie. You, he gets his fucking army off. Yeah, so you see that in the trailer. You see the scene with him floating the boat, and then it goes into the storm drain, and Pennywise gets it. And you know that something bad probably happens to him. But what you, I, I couldn't have imagined that they were going to show the kid's arm being bitten off and him yeah. trying to crawl across the street with a, a missing uh-huh. arm. Yeah. That was so shocking to me. I was like, holy shit. I can't believe I, they I, just showed that. But again, I don't understand. Is that, is that his fear? Did his arm get bitten off? Or was his fear 
like this is see this is the thing about pennywise in this movie it doesn't really like the logistics of the whole pennywise thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me because like he, he feeds on their fear well maybe maybe his fear was disappointing his brother Maybe that's why, because Pennywise didn't show up until the the boat f- fell into the, the grate, and he goes, oh, he's going to kill me. So maybe yeah. that was his fear that caused Pennywise to, to pop up. I guess so. I, I mean, it's pretty, so. it's, it's pretty loosey-goosey with the fear thing, but when you're dealing with these kind of like supernatural entities, I don't think it really matters as far as logic goes. Yeah. Uh, what were what were some of the other things that that you oh, found? Oh shit! When Beverly fucking comes in with the spear, just straight through his face. <laughs> yeah, just straight through his face. So goddamn, Beverly's Beverly's fear uh, is her father who is sexually abusing her, which was another yeah pretty, I, pretty and, big shocker. And that one was kind of because I don't know they they didn't like come out, so I don't know. If How far it went, or if he's yeah. like, he's this is this creepy situation though. Well, he did. What makes me think that at least something must have happened. She was wary of him, like from the moment that he was introduced, and then too. on top of that, right before she she bashes him, he says like, or she, I think she kicks him in the balls. He says like, "Do your friends know that I or something like that?" And then she kicks him in the balls and then runs. Yeah. So I think something, something happened there. Yeah. The extent of, of what, I don't know. I don't think it matters too much either way. It's horrible, whatever it was. Yeah. That was, that was something that kind of surprised me too. Cause like I said, it's, it's like, man, her situation is a lot, like, and I guess that plays into why she's not really terrified of this dumbass clown because she's got, bigger shit to worry about yeah but when when he turned into when he turned into the father i thought that was pretty crazy that effect when his face turned and then Uh, yeah yeah but that's what i didn't quite understand because she's she's not afraid but pennywise still gets her well because he knows what her fear is like yeah but she's not afraid of it well she must have some sort of. She she is afraid of her father. Yeah, but she fucking wrecked him. Yeah, but I, but I guess she still. Ass. I guess she still holds some semblance of fear there. I mean, ultimately, we know she conquers it anyway because she, if she didn't, she'd be dead. They all conquer yeah. their fear. True, but I don't know about um, Richie. I don't know if he con- conquered his fear because his fear was clown and. I have a feeling that he's probably worse off than he was to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Well, that's, I think that that's where the chapter two is going to play into it because in he's the mini, in, in the mini series, um, the, the mini series is like four hours long and half of it is when they're kids in the sixties. And then the other half is 30 years later when they're adults and it comes okay. back. So, gotcha. Oh, so yeah, alert. they didn't defeat them. No, he comes, he comes back. He comes back. Oh, Although there, there were there were a lot of key differences between this and the miniseries. There were a lot of like the kind of scare scare moments uh, were tweaked, and they were they were different. They it was definitely it feels fresh. It doesn't feel like a retread of the of the miniseries. Okay. All right. Uh, the other thing that kind of surprised me uh, was the whole bolt gun thing. Everything, everything with the bolt gun from the time that we see the sheep getting the bolt gun in the head to freaking Georgie getting the bolt gun in the head. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) It's bad enough. This kid got his arm bitten off and now he gets a freaking bolt gun right into the face. Yeah. And we knew, I mean, we, we were all pretty sure that it wasn't really him, that it was Pennywise, but. I, yeah, there was a it, for like a split second. I was thinking, like, are they going to go super dark? And it wasn't actually Pennywise. And he just fucking bolt gunned his brother. Yeah, I I thought that too because there was no indication that he like he he stayed as Georgie all the way until the end. But then you see that awesome transformation when he turns into Pennywise that looked yeah. that looked really cool and intensely creepy. 
And I do love, I, I mean, I did enjoy that it just turns into to these kids just beating the shit out of them. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying earlier about how I like I liked how it ended is that they just fucking wrecked him. They just, just it, it reminded me of the scene in, at the end of um, Death Proof when they when they're beating the shit out of Kurt Russell and it was just like over and over and they were just tag teaming, beating the fuck out of this clown. Just yeah, the uh, the 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 main thing they got me was uh, was Henry when Henry kills his dad. Yeah, because I I didn't think they were gonna go there. I didn't either. I didn't think they were gonna get that gruesome. And then they kill Henry, which was also yeah. like, like that was kind of shocking to me too. Like that kid killed that other kid. Yeah. Like, and it affected none of them. Yeah, they were just like oh, well, they had bigger shit to worry about. I mean, mate, <laughs> good, good job, Mike. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's probably going to affect them emotionally, I mean, like, but but it's like you have you have to prioritize your trauma. You know, like. What's going to affect them more? The fact that this asshole that literally carved one of them up just fell down a well and probably died? Or the fact that a, a demon clown has been feeding off of their fear for however many weeks? Yeah. Which also makes me... One of these kids isn't making it in 27 years. There's no way. I can't remember in, in the... One of them's got to become a drug addict. I can't, yeah, I can't remember in the miniseries if they all make it. I know that they get that some of them are fucked up from it. And I would imagine. That was like one of the interesting things about the show was to see how this event in this one summer like completely changed their lives. Yeah. Cause I I mean, I think at that point from there forward, um, you know, like you, you had to deal with the demon clown. I think like trying to deal with real life. Yeah. Like every- just like normal everyday to day type things. Would yeah, be really every, difficult. Yeah, or easy. After you do that, maybe everything seems trivial. I know, but I mean, just like if someone critiqued me at work, I would fucking lose my shit and be like, <laughs> "I killed a demon clown, motherfucker!" Yeah, and then just like storm off. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I wouldn't make it through school because I would be no. burning up the demon clown like twenty four seven. You'd probably be committed. I, I yeah, more than likely. Because everybody just think you're crazy. Yeah, because I'd be talking about a demon clown all the time. Uh, any other spoiler items? Mm. Uh, getting back to the the slideshow, just the when Pennywise came out of the screen, it's just he was a was, giant. It was so awesome. I didn't know he could be a giant. I thought he was just a regular clown. Uh, he can he can transform into whatever he wants. Oh, and you think and he would the, do that more often then? I thought that one of the, and I'm so glad that they didn't show any of this in the trailer was that I thought one of the creepiest things was that painting and that character with the twisted face and the, the flute thing, mm-hmm. man. And how it was like when it sucking, sucking yeah. space off. Yeah, yeah. When it grabbed him and you just see its entire mouth over his whole face it sucks for that dude, which kind of, I mean, that one's kind of weird too. Like, Kids afraid of a painting? It's a creepy ass painting, man. I know, but I've had some creepy ass paintings in my house when growing up, and well, we all know the thing in your house that's the creepiest—the <laughs> doll thing, <laughs> or the the dressmaker thing. Yeah, doll dress. Yeah, the doll dress would be—you would be haunted by a doll dress. The best part was that we put that in the guest room. So yeah, anytime, was, yeah, thanks a lot. That was nice. Anytime, like you'd spend the night at this. It just stared at you. <laughs> Made no sense. Love it. Love it. Uh, any other any other spoilers for it? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else either. So we are back. We're out of the spoiler section now. It, I would definitely recommend checking out in the theater uh, if you if you can, because it's uh, it, it's definitely worth a look. I would agree that it's worth a look. I give it that. I'd recommend. All right. Let's move on. Talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We didn't do a, a watch list last week because we did uh, the, all the Toby Hooper stuff. I haven't watched a whole lot uh, since then. Uh, one one that I'll mention, I saw Goon Last of the Enforcers. Okay. 
I was pretty excited for this one because I was a, a really big fan of the the first Goon movie. It was a surprise because this is this is one that when it came out, I think it was I want to say it was a straight to DVD thing, and the cover didn't look great, and I just didn't have very high expectations for it. But I'm a fan of I like sports comedies, and there aren't too many hockey movies out there, and other than Slapshot, of course. Yeah. Which is definitely this this had to have taken some sort of inspiration from Slapshot. But uh so anyway, I was really excited when the the sequel was announced. This is the directorial debut of Jay Baruchel. And it's it's alright. It's not nearly as good as the first one. It's this one is pretty much what I expected the first one to be, if that makes sense. Like it's a much more straightforward comedy still made me laugh a lot. I think that Sean William Scott's character is really funny and that really worked for me. It's brutally violent. Just like the, the first one, maybe more, maybe more so. Uh, but there's some really just brutal bloody fights in this, which are, which are pretty fun. So if you liked the first goon, maybe give this one a look. Uh, yeah, it's out on VOD now, so you can check it out. Goon, Last of the Enforcers. I saw uh, Lucky, or God damn it, Logan Lucky. Lucky Logan? The longest time. No, it's called Logan Lucky. I know. But then all this time, I thought it was called Lucky Logan until I saw the poster. And I, and my the, the best part is, is my immediate thought was, oh, when did they change the title? I was so invested in it being called Lucky Logan that I figured that they probably had to change the the title of it <laughs> on all the posters, you know, mm. months after yeah. all the, uh, but no, it's been called Logan Lucky the entire time. Apparently, uh, this is pretty good. I haven't seen this yet, but I, I do want to, I do want to see it. I mean, it's Steven Soderbergh. It, uh, going into it, you, you kind of know what to expect and it, it pretty much played out the way I expected it to, which is not to say that it's not a fun time. I enjoyed myself, but it was just kind of like even at one point in the movie, they're like, they're calling it Ocean 7 Eleven because it's like the Ocean Eleven movie. Yeah, know? I get it. But like NASCAR themed. Yeah, but it's just, it's Ocean's Eleven. It's just, it's kind of like him doing a rehash for some reason. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm perfectly fine with that because I, liked, yeah, all, that's I, liked, what I, mean. I like, liked all the Ocean's movies. So I'm, that's I'm what I mean. cool like, with it. Still, it still works. For me, for the most part, I still enjoyed myself. Um, Seth MacFarlane's character was a bit much, a bit ridiculous, really annoying. I mean, he gets he gets beat up the first time, which you're like, great, that's awesome. Because his character is just fucking annoying as all hell. And then the second time, they don't show it, though. So I could have used like a second helping of Seth MacFarlane getting punched in the face. Hmm. It doesn't give it to me. It only gave me the first time, which was kind of disappointing. But okay. I mean, if you enjoyed those movies, you more than likely enjoy yourself with Logan Lucky. <laughs> Glowing praise from Kevin on <laughs> Logan Lucky. I saw a, uh, I guess it's sort of a horror film, uh, maybe more of like a coming of age thriller called mm-hmm. Kill Me Please. Say it's, it's a Brazilian film, just directed by Anita Roca de Silva Silvera. Uh, this was uh, kind of an interesting one. It's more coming of age than thriller. Basically, it's about this group of girls. Uh, I think they're like 15-ish. Um, growing up in this sort of affluent area of Rio de Janeiro. And there are a there's a serial killer uh, on the loose. And he is abducting and murdering young women little like roughly around their age so basically it's them just kind of going through their school life so they're dealing with boys and drama and school stuff and parties and all of this you know normal adolescent stuff but they're slowly being affected by the fact that there is a killer on the loose and they become fascinated with it so they're like when when a new victim is found they like kind of check this person's social media and they're trying to figure out, you know, who this person was, the the victim. And so it's, 
kind of an interesting it's kind of an interesting movie um i have a full review for this up on the site um it it i feel like it doesn't go far enough into the horror thriller territory because although it seems like they're slightly interested in it it doesn't seem to it affects like the main character more but i feel like it it should they need to go a little bit further with it you feel you always feel very disconnected from the the murders taking place other than towards the end of the movie they show like a it's like a still collage of all the victims like photographs of all the victims yeah. uh it, you feel pretty disconnected from that aspect of it so more often than not, it just feels like your pretty standard coming of age story. Mm-hmm. And it's a mediocre coming of age story at that. But overall, I enjoyed the movie. I would recommend it. It's playing in limited release right now. It's called Kill Me Please. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I watched Fugue from uh, Jorge Torres Torres. This is on uh, No Budge. So you can see this sucker for free. Uh, relatively short, 73 minutes long. So gets in, gets out. It's so what it is is there's a young woman. She's on a island, and you're not really sure what she's doing there, right? And she's kind of homeless. Well, she's not kind of homeless. She's just straight up homeless. Let me edit that. And she's just kind of like wandering around. She has. What you come to find out is, is she doesn't know how she got there and she doesn't know who she is. She has no recollection whatsoever. She's just kind of wandering about on the island, right? Finding food, foraging, trying to be like the wild horses. And uh, so as the movie goes on, you kind of kind of uncovers why she's there and what's going on and everything when it's, uh, I think it's like her, her boyfriend shows up. You, you know, kind of goes into... She's kind of in like a, a fugue state. So everything up until that point is fantastic. Great cinematography, the whole structure, the way they, it's really minimalist in the way that it kind of goes about what's going on. The The only thing that kind of falters a little bit is when the boyfriend shows up and they start kind of slowly uncovering, you know, like teasing out bits and pieces of what happened in the past and why she ended up there and how this, she was the reason that she was so deeply affected and all that. Um, it does it does an okay job of squeezing that information out bit by bit, but as more of that information comes out, it kind of loses its its impact because the reasoning is a bit iffy mm. for me anyways. Um, but overall, I it's like a light recommend. I mean, it's 73 minutes, pretty solid film. Just when they, you know, when they get... <clears throat> When you uh, unmask the mystery, it just kind of falls a little bit flat. All right. And that's Fugue, available for free on nobudge.com. I saw Death Note. Okay. Yeah, this is on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you can take a look at this one, directed by Adam Wingard. Now, I was a big fan of the original anime series. I'm not a huge anime person, but Death Note, when I, I, I... Started watching Death Note when they were in the second season of it, and I just devoured the whole first season. And then, fortunately, at the time, they were there were like certain sites that would do simulcasts. So I was just a huge fan of Death Note right from the get go. And I even mm-hmm. liked, I sort of liked the live action Japanese versions. However, this one is not very good. It's, they just didn't, I felt like they just didn't have enough time to condense everything that happens in Death Note into one movie. They had to truncate a lot of the stuff. And I think, I feel like they ended up omitting a lot of the aspects of the story that, that made it so uh, interesting and unique. The, the broad strokes are still there. I mean, it's like about a kid a high schooler who gets this book that basically if you, whoever's name you write in the book, they die. And the book was originally owned by this, uh, this demon and the demon sort of follows the kid around as he writes names in this book. And 
the other part of it is that there's this genius young detective who starts to figure out who it is and starts to come after him. In this movie, uh, he's played by Lakeith Stanfield. So he's awesome in it. He is really awesome in it. And he just, he nails the character. And Willem Dafoe plays the demon, which is funny because when the show was on, I always said that I thought that the character looked like Willem Dafoe, the animated character. So it was a, that was a perfect casting choice. Uh, But it was just too much was crammed in. They changed the story a lot. I mean, the, the story is, this version is wildly different than the original anime or the manga or even the Japanese live action uh, movie. So if you're a fan of Death Note, just know that this is a completely different take on the story and it's not nearly as good. So Death Note, probably, I'd probably just say don't bother with that. I believe that it is, this. the series I think is on Netflix. So mm. I would say just watch, watch that. that. Because that nice. that is so much better. The the cat and mouse between the two the two characters, Light and L, um, is so much better when they have time to actually develop that. Yeah. Because that was for me one of the favorite aspects of the show. Okay. So All right. anyway, that's Death Note. <clears throat> All right. A part of me just wants to talk about spontaneous combustion again. <laughs> yes. It's fucking great. I love it. I just did a bunch of rewatches, actually, which I haven't done in quite some time, but I saw Jaws oh. again. It's become a yearly thing, watching that Jaws. I think everybody should on, watch Jaws every year. It's on Netflix Instant, by the way, if you want to check out some Jaws. Uh, Straw Dogs from Peck and Paul. Rewatch that one. And Mad Max Fury Road. Rewatch that one. Everything holds All up? Solid. All three of them, solid. Solid films. Spontaneous Combustion, too. Great film. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I saw Little Evil, which is a, another Netflix movie. This is a comedy. It's a horror <laughs> comedy with um, Adam Scott. Awful. Yeah. Adam Scott and Evangeline Lilly. Basically, okay. it's it's sort of like an omen type. Yeah. Parody. That was my guess. Yeah. This is not good. I don't have much to say about it. There's a lot of good people in it, uh, but yeah, this is. Uh, I would. I would probably avoid this. It's worth a couple laughs. Like there, there's some funny stuff in it. It starts off really good, but where it goes, it, it tries to get sentimental, and that does not work. As soon as it starts to get sentimental, everything falls apart, and you're just like, oh god, no. This is nope. This is not. This is not going well. But everything up until that point is really enjoyable. Like just seeing Adam Scott react to his new stepson being the Antichrist. It's pretty funny, but mm, it just it. He's good at reacting. Yeah, that's his strong suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like Jason Bateman in that regard. Uh, so yeah, that's not very good. And I also saw David Lynch, The Art of Life. Or sorry. David Lynch, The Art Life. I always want to say The Art of Life for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. This is a documentary that came out last year. It's made by the the same guys that there was another documentary that came out in, I think, 2007, just called Lynch. And this is kind of their follow-up to that. They're just they're obsessed with Lynch, huh? Yeah, yeah. Fucking move on. This, one, this one's interesting because the first one, it was just... The first one really didn't have a lot of substance to it. This one, he they, they got him to open up a little bit more. So he talks, this is almost exclusively about his personal life. So it's it's all about um, his, his upbringing. And it basically chronicles his entire life uh, up until he makes Eraserhead. So they very they very consciously didn't want to get into his movies because they know that he doesn't talk about his movies uh, at all. So they they went all the way up until Eraserhead, and then that's that's pretty much it. So there's some interesting stuff in there. It talks about how like his influences and uh, his parents and where he lived and 
where he went to school and all of that stuff. So there's there's kind of some interesting anecdotal stuff in there, but eh, it was all right. I mean, I love David Lynch, but this just I, I don't know. It was okay, yeah. but it wasn't anything mind blowing. the The film itself uh, looked awesome. It was shot on a 5D and an iPhone, but man, they really made it work because it looked really cool. There's a, there's a lot of really great imagery in it and they don't, there's, there's no, like they didn't interview. It's just, just Lynch. That's it. Like, so it's the way they designed it. They just have David Lynch talking and they use uh, his art and they use photographs that he provided them. He gave them access to all of his photographs but there were certain ones that he liked particularly. And so they tried to use that stuff in there. So yeah. it's, it's pretty much just like pure David Lynch stuff. And it's, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's worth a look if you're a fan and you want to dive a little bit deeper into the mind of David Lynch, just don't expect any kind of like big revelations mm-hmm. or anything. All right, let's move on. Talk about some release dates in theaters this week. We have American Assassin. Ooh, it looks terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oof, I'm not into this one at all. Sure. Michael Keaton better be careful because he's he's riding high on his comeback right now. But mm-hmm. all he needs because his comeback is still relatively new. You know, remember when Mickey Rourke had his comeback with the wrestler? He, and he, oh and, yeah, and he made a couple good <laughs> movies after the wrestler though. He, like there were a couple in there, but then uh, after that. Bad decisions just brought him back right back down. So Michael Keaton, be careful, bro. I don't. I don't want you to to fade into obscurity again. I think he. I think he can handle himself a little bit better. Yeah, I think so too, but we'll see. We also have Mother. This is the new Darren Aronofsky. You excited for this one? Wait, this comes out. Uh, or is that a limited? Thing? It might be is li- it a limited. Thing? It might might it's be limited. limited. <laughs> I was about to say, there's no way I'm getting Mother next weekend. It could be limited. I don't know. It's gotta be. Maybe not. Uh, let's see. It says wide on Rotten Tomatoes. So I take it you're excited for this one. Uh, not really. I am. I don't like. To, I don't like Jeffrey Lawrence. I do. Now I'm all about me some mother. So you're gonna, you're gonna let your dis distaste for Jennifer Lawrence. Well, she like shoulders the whole thing, doesn't she? I would think so. Yeah. You know who else is in it? Yeah. yeah. Dom- Domino Gleason. <laughs> Your, oh God! Your man. boy, your boy, Domino. Are you uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I'll see it, but I'm not rushing. I can tell you that. I'm not rushing out to see this. When you when you saw it today, did it did it have a trailer for Mother before it? No, it didn't. No, nope. I had a trailer for God. There's another goddamn Insidious movie. Give me a break. Really? Yeah. There's another Saw movie apparently. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. That, that one I was aware of. So what's that, like Saw 37, Insidious 9? Fucking ridiculous. I think it's the seventh Saw movie. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. It's too many. That's all I know. I, li- I like all the Saw movies, so <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with the new one. It looks interesting. This is a great year. This is a, it's shaping up to be a solid year for horror. I think it has a slow start, but I heard that the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is good. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a... There's a trailer for that one too. I heard that that one is is like the best one since part one, so like the original one. So I'm hoping that's true. I'm excited for the new Chucky movie because I'm a big Child's Play fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so anyway, yeah, we got Mother, we got Brad's status. <sighs> Mike White. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested only because it's Mike White and he wrote it and yeah. directed it. Yeah, but. The trailers, man, are not doing it for me on this movie. Because it's it just seems like it's so obvious. It just seems like such an obvious movie. Mm-hmm. Like we, it's one of those that you can kind of go in like expecting. He, yeah, like, like he, he really, you already saw it. Yeah, like he, he, you don't have to go see it. He feels bad because the people he went to college with are more successful than him and have more money, but then he realizes like he has a family, so he's actually he's, the yeah, winner. He's actually the richest out of all of them. Yeah. Except that he's not because he's got a shit ton of responsibility and doesn't get to do anything fun. Exactly. 
Nice try. Having <laughs> kids. Stop, stop with that bullshit. Trying to peddle that bullshit. Having kids. Come on now. Maybe it won't be that. I don't know. Mike White always has a little bit of a dark streak in his movies, so maybe maybe it'll be something else going on. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. Rat film. This is a documentary about Baltimore Mm. and rats. Rats in Baltimore. What's that? Waiting for this one. It looks pretty interesting. Uh, We will have a review up very shortly. It's been submitted. Got to edit it. Chris is reviewing this for us, and uh, he didn't like it. A little bit of a spoiler. What? What? I'm interested in it. I'll be checking it out. We got uh, Manolo, The Boy Who Made Shoes for Lizards. It's a documentary. We got Wetlands. And Uh we got Tennessee Whiskey. Mm -hmm. It's about the, I can't remember his name right now, but it's the guy that sings that song. What, Tennessee Whiskey? Yeah. I don't know who that is. I hate that song, though. I'm sorry. I I can't stand that song. It's the worst. Uh, There's a Nicolas Cage movie called Vengeance, A Love Story. Ooh. Throws yeah, because you think it's about vengeance, but it's actually a love story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a movie called In Search of Fellini. We got uh-huh. Strong Island. I think that's going to be on Netflix. We got The Force. That's a documentary about police officers. Okay. Uh, a movie called Infinity Chamber that I never heard of. Probably for good reason. Yeah, maybe. Could be. And that's pretty much it in theaters. VOD next week we have, or this week rather, we have Clowntergeist coming out on tuesday clowntergeist so this week we have it the big one and then we have circus Kane, which also came out we have a review for that up on the site and then coming up we have clowntergeist we also Mm -hmm. have the confessions we have dead again in tombstone we got cupid's proxy that one i i saw a trailer for that one holy shit you have to see a trailer for that it looks Pain- it, it looks so painful. It's called Cupid's Proxy. Okay. The trailer's up on the uh, on our calendar, so you can take a look. Then on the 19th, we have Tennessee Whiskey and Second Nature. Second Nature? What the hell is that? Oh, that's the one. Uh, that's the comedy, the romantic comedy where uh, a woman uses a magic mirror to reverse the gender roles in her small town. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So that sounds fun. Sounds like a romp. Love me a good romp. Blu-ray next week. This week. Keep saying next week. We got 4K release VT. We got It Comes at Night, which I noticed they changed the cover of. If you remember, the blue, the original Blu-ray cover of It Comes at Night was just Joel Edgerton. It was just the white people in that movie. <laughs> and it was just like, what the fuck is going on here? What are they thinking? Serious. Yeah, but then they cha- it, they changed it so that it actually has his his actual family on there now. We have the Mummy. This is the Tom Cruise one that I heard. It's supposed to be really really awful. We have Captain Underpants. We have Phenomena from 1985. This is the Dario Argento one that I would highly recommend checking out because it's ridiculous and amazing. We have Eric the Conqueror from 1961. Arrows point, putting that one out. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Get Out is getting a 4K release. Yeah. <clears throat> Fun Mom Dinner. That's coming out. Major League from 1989 getting a Blu-ray release. Hell yeah. Man, I, I could totally rewatch Major League right now and Major League 2. Uh, let's see. The Reagan Show. That's the documentary that's getting a Blu-ray release. I was kind of interested in that. Um, that's pretty much it. Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 is getting a Blu-ray combo pack. It's like a double feature thing. Uh, I don't know why they, they, they always re-release the the Evil Dead movies, but they're always like such bad releases. I, I I wish that somebody would like Scream Factory or Arrow or one of these big, um, purveyors of physical media will would come out with like a special edition of these movies and just have all the bonus features and just be like one ultimate edition. Cause they just keep re-releasing these and they're, they're always underwhelming except the book of the dead editions, which I still own, but that was DVD. Uh, hot rods getting a Blu-ray release from 2007, a little bit of a cult classic. That one. I've always been, mean. I've always caught like parts of this on TV 
and I enjoyed it, you know, what I have seen of it, but for some reason I just haven't gotten around to actually watching it. Yeah. Definitely a cult classic on that one. And then uh, Arrow is also releasing The Ghoul from last year. Uh, any Criterions this week? There's one. We have Festival from Murray Lerner. This is uh, the old uh, Newport Folk Festival documentary. Mm. So if you're a big fan of the Newport Folk Festival, I have a feeling this is the the definitive documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That's my can't be too many Newport Folk Festival documentaries covering 63 to 66. <laughs> oh, Pretty God. sure this is probably the only one. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. 